If you turn with me with your Bibles to Galatians chapter 4 and verse 28. These last few Sundays, we've been sort of looking at preparation for a work of God's Spirit in reviving us individually and corporately. And we've been looking at redigging the wells of revival. And tonight, I wanted to have a look at the figure of Isaac and the fruit of the Spirit and how these two things are linked. You say, well, how is the fruit of the Spirit linked to Isaac? Well, I hope to show you to give us a model and an understanding of how God wants to work in our lives a reviving work and how important the fruit of the Holy Spirit is is going to be, is, is already, but is also going to be when God increases the outpouring of his Spirit that he dearly wants to do. The greater the outpouring of the Spirit, the deeper the work of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life that is necessary. If you have a great outpouring of the Spirit, but not a deep work of the Holy Spirit at the same time, then much of that outpouring just gets dissipated. It comes very strongly, but it gets wasted. But if you have a deep work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and a great outpouring of Pentecostal power, those two things can shape nations. And so so today we're looking a little bit about the work of the Spirit on the inside of us to prepare us to carry more authority. Last week we spoke about authority in the church, that God wants to bring us into new levels of authority. And we looked at that levels where the disciples got to, and uh, there was a demon that they couldn't cast out, and they couldn't understand it, and the father of the child couldn't understand it that they didn't have the authority and they'd hit a ceiling in their lives and ministries. And Jesus says this type can only come out by prayer and fasting. Fasting's not the emphasis. In fact, in some versions, fasting's not there. Prayer. What Jesus was saying is this. He says you could, there are different levels of demonic activity and don't assume that you can cast out every enemy, every devil. And the disciples had had some measure of success in casting out the enemy. But when they reached this particular level of of the demonic, they couldn't couldn't deal with it. They hit a ceiling. And Jesus didn't say, well, you'll never be able to cast out this demon. What he said is prayer. Now, this isn't some sort of fleshly type of praying and, you know, I have to pray for 20 hours just to get a demon out. This This is a prayer level of communion with God that has done a great work on the inside so that you can carry that type of authority. So actually, although the disciples were were disappointed that they couldn't deal with this level of demonic activity, Jesus said, well, you can, but you have to grow. You have to deepen in the things of prayer and the Spirit. And so we find ourselves personally, and also the Church of Great Britain and Europe, has, has got to the place where very often we have hit a ceiling. Because the devil needs to be cast out of Great Britain. 
The devil needs to be cast out of people's lives. You say, well, what do you mean? Don't they just need to repent from their sins? It's stronger than that. There is a demonic influence that attempts to keep people from Christ. It is a blinding influence. The God of this world has blinded the eyes of the unbeliever. Those that are still yet dead in their sins are under the power of the prince of the air. They are, they are, they are, they are dominated by demonic powers. So not only do we have to deal with sin by preaching the gospel of grace, we also have to be able to confront demonic blindness and deafness and powers in order to deliver a people. And at the moment, the British church doesn't have that power. It doesn't have that power. It, think, it likes to think it does, but where's the evidence? You see, in the end, when it comes down to it, you only have as much power as you can demonstrate. You know what I'm saying? You can say, oh, we're going to deliver Great Britain. Well, then do it. Do it. Don't just talk about it, do it. Oh, well, uh, talking about it's one thing, doing it's another. Well, that's because you don't have the power to do it, to deal with these things. But don't be discouraged. God is doing a work in prayer so that we can have a deep prayer life that will be able to carry that type of power and deal with that kind of demonic authority. God is preparing. And today I want to move on and look at Isaac and the fruit of the Spirit. Now, here in Galatians chapter 4, 28, it says something very important to us as believers. It says, now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of the promise. I want you to say after me, I am Isaac. I am Isaac. That's lovely. Say it again. I am Isaac. Just one more time. God told me to say that one day in a prayer time when I was feeling, many years ago when I was feeling very, very low and feeling, ve feeling very, very discouraged and feeling very, very powerless and not thinking I had much hope for the future. And the Spirit of God spoke to me and, and said, say it, say I am Isaac. And I'm, oh, I'm anything but Isaac. He said, say it. So I said, I'm Isaac. He said, say it louder. So I said, I am Isaac. And I said it again, and I said it a few times, and each time I said it, I felt strength rising in me. We are Isaac. It says, now, brethren, as Isaac was, so we are children of the promise. And so we are spiritual Isaacs. Abraham's our spiritual father, isn't he? He is the father of all who believe. And we walk in his footsteps. So Abraham is a model, and we often preach on Abraham in the seven o'clock service. Abraham is a model, but, but, but Isaac is the identity. So we can look and learn the, the, walk, the steps of faith that Abraham did, his mistakes and his triumphs, and learn so much. We walk in his footsteps. Abraham is the model, but Isaac is the identity. It doesn't say, you're, Isaac, you're Abraham. I didn't ask any of you to say out loud, I'm Abraham. You'd say, I'm Abraham. No, you'd say, I'm a child of Abraham. Well, who was the spiritual, proper child of Abraham, it was Isaac. We're certainly not going to go around saying, I am Ishmael. But in this passage that's here, it's a picture. It talks about Isaac and Ishmael. And it says that he who was born, in verse 29, according to the flesh, then persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, even so it is now. So Paul is bringing it up to date. He says, hey, you're an Isaac, but there's Ishmael's out there. So we can say, I'm Isaac, but we also know there's Ishmael's out there. And, and Isaac stands for the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Ishmael stands for the works of the flesh. And then we come into chapter 5, and I don't want to go too much into all of chapter 5, but let's fast forward to 
chapter 5, verse 16. Remember, Isaac being persecuted by Ishmael. Isaac born of the Spirit, spiritual, the Holy Spirit. Ishmael born of the flesh, human effort. Now we come to this. It says, verse 16, I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's there again, isn't it? Spirit, Isaac, promise, flesh, Ishmael. And so the command is walk in the spirit. In other words, if I can put it like this, walk as if you were Isaac. Don't walk as if you were Ishmael. All right, let me carry on. For the flesh lusts or wars against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and they're contrary to one another. This is exactly what Paul just said about Isaac, didn't he? That, that, the, that Ishmael, the flesh, born according to the flesh, persecuted that born according to the spirit. One of the first things we learn about Isaac's life is that he was bullied. Do you know that? You do know that. When he was a boy, he was bullied. This is why Sarah had to stand up and say, we can't have this. You've got to send them away, Abraham. You've got to send Hagar and Ishmael away. Why? Because Isaac is getting bullied. He was being bullied by Ishmael. And so here we see the flesh wants to bully that which is spiritual, but the spiritual can actually fight against the flesh. And they are at war with one another, we see here. Again, the picture Isaac and Ishmael, they could never get along. They were so different to one another. One born of the promise, one born of faith, one born of the miracle working power of God, one born of the spirit, one the absolute opposite to God. One not born of any promise, but actually, uh, actually against the promise of God, born of the flesh, born of human effort, born of human manipulation, born of unbelief. These two things, like oil and water, could never mix. And then we get into the works of the flesh. Now, the works of the flesh, in verse 19, are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contention, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresy, envy, murders, drunkenness, reveries. Now, you, you, you look at those. Can you imagine living in a community that was described like that? The flesh. How awful it would be to say, oh, I live in this place, and if you want me to describe it, and you use those words. What a horrible society that would be. Well, society is getting closer to that. But the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Can you imagine living in a community and you said, oh, I live in a community and a neighborhood. Oh, what's it like? What's it like? I'm thinking of moving to your neighborhood. What, what's it like? Well, first thing I'd say, it's such a loving neighborhood. It's just love everywhere. And you know what? There's joy, peace. People are at peace with one another, making peace. People are so patient with one another. Very little anger. People give people opportunities to grow. And they're kind and generous and good and faithful and gentle. And how many people would like to live in a neighborhood like that? Well, God wants the community of the believers to have that description. God wants the local church to have that description. But often we find, don't we, in local church settings, it's a mixture of the two. 
And sometimes it's a bit more on the flesh at times, isn't it? And we can say the same in our lives. Are, are we, if you were to describe yourself or if someone was to describe you accurately, how many of the words of the fruit of the Spirit would they use and how many of the flesh? You may, maybe you've got an anger problem or, you, or you're always arguing or you're jealous, you know. So we have Ishmael is the picture of the works of the flesh. But Isaac is the picture of the fruit of the Spirit. Now... Isaac was the child of the promise. His, his name means laughter. And um, that's important, that name, because there's two aspects of that. The first one is the laugh of unbelief. Because God said, I'm going to do something. It's a miracle. You're going to have a child. And it was like they laughed. Sarah laughed. The laugh was, it's just not possible. Have you ever looked at yourself and thought why, where you'd like to be and laughed because you think, these are just silly dreams. Have you ever seen a picture of what you want to be or where you want to go? Or, 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 if, or, or if God has given you a promise and you sort of like attempted to laugh like, God, you're saying this about me and this is, <laughs> you've got to be joking. There's just no way that I can become that. There's no way that I can change. There's no, and, and there is that element of the laugh. laugh. You're almost laughing because it's so ridiculous. But then there was also the laugh came when Isaac came. Because although there was the laugh of how can it, the laugh of incredulity, how could this possibly happen? When Isaac came, it was the laugh of victory, the laugh of joy. It, it was the, it's the laughter that comes when God pours out his spirit in great power and great joy wells up into the hearts of believers. It's one of the strong elements of a true revival is joy, tears of joy, joy and weeping. Uh, they, they, they're partners, but I'm speaking about, I spoke about weeping last week, but joy, true joy, people praising God. And, and even in, in, in the greatest persecutions where God pours out his spirit, there's still great joy. Joy is one of the great themes of the church of Pentecost. And so you, you have this and 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 the Holy Spirit and what God wants to do. And we, we could go to 1 Corinthians 13, I think I will actually, and read it because these are good passages to read. 1 Corinthians 13, it speaks about love, which is also a picture of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, Isaac. Um, 1 Corinthians 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love... I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And if I have the gift of prophecy and understand all ministries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but do not have love, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long, is kind, love does not envy, love does not parade itself, it's not puffed up. It doesn't behave rudely, doesn't seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Isn't that wonderful? And if you read that, just after we've read the fruit of the Spirit, you see the fruit of the Spirit and that description, it's, all, it, it, it's another way of saying the same thing. And the reason I'm speaking about this is because 
I believe that God wants us as Christians to become more and more in our identity and actions like Isaac. And Isaac, as I've said, Isaac, his characteristics are characteristics of the spirit. It's spiritual. It's supernatural. He's a miracle child. It's God at work. It's faith. It's promise. It's the power of God that deals with issue and get things gone. Whereas Ishmael is natural. It's man's work. It's man's efforts. It's strife and manipulation and works of the flesh. Isaac's origin was from God. He was a miracle child. Ishmael's origin was from man's unbelief. It was the best they could do without God. Isaac, son of the promise. Ishmael, son of human ingenuity. And when we look at Isaac's life, we'll see a picture, I believe, of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes people say that Isaac is a bit boring. I've heard people say there's not much to get from Isaac. Isaac is a bit boring, and he's not as exciting. You can't preach as well on Isaac as you can on people like Abraham and Jacob and Joseph. Well, whenever we talk about the patriarchs, the three main patriarchs or fathers of the Jewish and Christian faith are Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, aren't they? You hear the phrase, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, I think that sometimes people have not properly focused on Isaac because after all, in Galatians, it says, hey, you're Isaac. It doesn't say you're Jacob, you're Isaac. It doesn't say you're Ishmael's, says you're Isaac. It doesn't say you're Abraham, says you're Isaac. We could go into Romans, the latter part of Romans, and it speaks about that not all Israel is Israel. And that not all that are Jewish are Isaac. And Paul actually stuns the Jews in Romans when he basically says to them, you're Ishmael. If you're not Isaac, if you're not born again, you're Ishmael. And so Isaac is extremely important. I mean, the whole point of Abraham's life was to produce an Isaac. So we need to dwell on Isaac a little bit more. Now, the thing about Isaac is the fact that he walked by the fruit of the Spirit most of the time, made his mistakes, as everybody does, but the fact that he's a picture of the fruit of the Spirit is that he didn't go through many of the mistakes and the fleshly battles that his father went through and that his son Jacob went through. I mean, Abraham, he, he, he eventually got there, didn't he? He eventually got to the maturity of faith. But through that time, he made many, many mistakes, didn't he? He had his Ishmael and paid the price for that again and again with the, with the family problems that he had. Interestingly enough, all the patriarchs had family problems. Sometimes we can think about people and think, oh, they must have been perfect. They had marriage problems. Abraham had problems in his marriage with his wives. Jacob had problems in his marriage. And uh, Isaac had problems um, with his son. Not, not uh, Jacob, but Esau married foreign women and made, the, made his life a misery. They all had family problems. It's fascinating. I was thinking it's amazing that they're even recorded. You know, I wonder if Isaac and Jacob, they went up to heaven and said, I wish you hadn't put that down. Hey, there was no need to record that. They, they had their issues. But Isaac, Isaac didn't, 
have his issues like Abraham and Jacob did. Abraham made many mistakes and got many victories. He, he went down to Egypt, and that's where it all went wrong. He should have stayed in the promised land, even though there was a famine. He shouldn't have gone to Egypt. It was Egypt where the problems came. Jacob, well, you know his story, don't you? We preached on him a few weeks ago about how God had to wrestle him into submission. I mean, he was given the promise, the younger, the older will serve the younger, but he manipulated He used the works of the flesh to try and achieve the promise of God. He pretended to be Esau, for goodness sake. It was another picture of the flesh. Lied to his father. Do you think God was in that, lying to his father? Do you think God was in him dressing up and pretending to be his... Do you think God told him to do that? No. No, God said you'll get the blessing, but he tried to do it with human effort. And he had problems, he, got, he had to go and run away, didn't he? And he, then he went to Laban and, and found Laban was as, twice as fleshly as he was. <laughs> and got the wrong wife and then came back and, had, and was terrified of his brother and then had problems with his wives and, and all that sort of stuff. But Isaac, when you look at him, I think that the reason people miss is because he didn't make as many mistakes. Although I do believe that he was, as t- he was tested as much as his father and even his son, Jacob. I believe he went the same test. But you don't hear much. Why? Because he went the way of the Spirit. And the way of the Spirit, most of, most of the battle when you're going the way of the Spirit is on the inside. It's on the inside. Because sometimes the easiest thing in the world is to, is to use the flesh to get what you want. And so when you look at Isaac's life... It's not as colourful because he walked with God. If he'd made a few more mistakes, had a few more wives, he only had one, Rebecca. If he'd had a few more wives, he'd probably have a few more stories. If he disobeyed God a little bit more or gone off on wrong turns, we'd have had more colourful stories, more to preach on. But this is the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit won't get you into the sort of situations that the flesh will. So let's just have a look at this. I just want to outline it to, to, to encourage you. I mean, right at the beginning of his life, we hear he was persecuted, but there's no record that he fought back. We also know that as a young man, before we even get into his full story, as a young man, he voluntarily allowed himself to be put in the position of sacrifice. He didn't, when his father, who was, who was old at that time, and Isaac, who was not a little child, didn't know what was happening. Isaac was a young man. And his father t- took him up to sacrifice. He could have said, no way, Dad. If anyone's going to be sacrificed, it's going to be you. <laughs> and, you know, Isaac, so different to Ishmael, and so different uh, Ishmael, Ishmael went around picking fights. He was a warrior, went around fighting. He was a man of war. But, but this wasn't, he was like Jesus who was like a lamb led to the slaughter. And that was at the beginning of his life. And you say, what weakness? No, what strength? It wasn't just Abraham that was blessed on that mountain. Isaac was. It was noticed that Isaac, his trust of his father, his trust in God, and his refusal to fight back or to stand up for his own rights or life. That is one of the most incredible stories that there is. Incredible. It's one thing to sacrifice your son. That's hard enough. It's another thing to be the son that's being sacrificed and to, to, be tr- and to f- have faith and willingness in that. So let's have a look. Um, 
Well, let, let's start with Genesis 24. And here's the secret right at the beginning. Well, it's not a secret, but <clears throat> Genesis 24, 63. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field, Genesis 24, 63, in the evening, and he lifted his eyes and looked, and there the camels were coming. Imagine this, when Rebecca came, the first time she saw her husband-to-be, he was in prayer. He was in the spirit. How amazing. And Isaac, he was just... There's a whole story about how Rebecca was found, wasn't there? And God was in that, and God was with the servant. What do you think? I, Isaac was praying. Isaac was saying, get me a good wife. He was doing his work. Isaac didn't go on the trip with the servant, but he was praying. He was saying, Lord, and he was praying about many things because he was a man of prayer. He dealt with circumstances in prayer foremostly. That's how he dealt with things in prayer. That's why you don't see all these battles, because the battles were taking place on the inside. The battles were taking place in the even time, as he would leave everybody and all the witnesses and go into the field and do business with God. Not just business with God, but business with circumstances. Oh, how wonderful. What an encouragement for Isaac. He's out there and he's praying and he's doing business with God. And he's saying, and Lord, I'm just praying for my wife. I pray that you'll get me a wife that's a blessing. I, I don't want loads of wives. I just want the right wife. And I'm praying. And, and guess what? There he is praying in the evening, lifts his eyes. Look who's coming. He's done the work. If it had been Jacob, Jacob would be, I'm off down. I'm not letting this servant. I'm going down. I'm going to have a look. Right, show me what you've got. I want... We're having a beauty pageant. I want every eligible girl, and I want them on the platform. Every and I'm going to look at them, and I'm going to check them out, and I'm going to interview them, and I'm going to find myself a wife. You know? And um, that's, what the rest, that's, that's what Jacob was like. I'll have that one. How much? Wasn't it? And, and Laban said, oh, however many years work. Okay. And then he wakes up with the wrong one. You know? So that's how... That's how Jacob gets a wife. Esau goes off and marries foreigners that cause Isaac family problems of hell. Abraham has a decent wife but doesn't believe that she's going to do it. And they both plot and get him another wife, Hagar. I mean, and Isaac's just lifting his hands, believing God, doing the work in the prayer, and his wife comes on a camel to him. You see what I mean? Okay, some of you are applying this in different, in a di in different ways. What, what I'm saying is, you read the story, it's, it, it doesn't seem very exciting. You know, there's no Laban in it. There's no Egyptian woman in it that comes back to cause trouble like Hagar. But you see, that's the point. That's, that's the fruit of the Spirit. And, and, and let, let's, let's move on a, a little bit. Um, where are we? Yeah. Okay, let, let's go to... So, th so that's the beginning. It's his prayer life. It's his prayer life. He prayed. That was his power. Jesus said, you couldn't cast out the devil because this comes by prayer. Isaac would have cast out that devil. Isaac would have done it. Why? Because he was a man of prayer. His life, his future, everything was done in prayer. 
one in prayer. And so let's now go to 20, chapter 25 and verse 21. Genesis, Genesis 25, 21, yeah. So Isaac's got Rebecca. Genesis 25, 21. Now, Rebecca can't have a child. Did you know that? Just out of interest, how many people didn't know that Rebecca couldn't have a child like Sarah? Just wave, I'm just interested. It's not, you see, why? Because it doesn't make the big story. But here it says, now Isaac pleaded, verse 21, now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren and the Lord granted his plea and Rebecca, his wife, conceived. I mean, you've got a whole story of Abraham and his wife figuring out how to get a child and, 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 and having the Hagar and the Ishmael story and the whole thing. Isaac faced the same thing. He didn't get himself a new wife or a servant girl, what did he do? He pleaded with the Lord, and the Lord granted his plea. Oh, there, one sentence. Maybe this is partly why the Isaac story is so short, because he could do in one sentence what, his Ab- what Abraham took a whole bunch of Ishmael, Hagar, and all that mess to do, a big messy story, you know what I'm saying? But what did he do? He solved it in prayer. There's not much, there's not much to say on the outside, There's not much of a story on the outside. It's one verse. But you look at that and you think about that and you know what there's a story on the inside. He had to battle the fact that he had no child. He had no offspring. Oh no, here we go again. You know, all over again, the family curse of barrenness and and all that went on and, uh, and, you know. But no, what did he do? He dealt with the situation in a totally different way. He dealt with it in a spiritual way. He didn't use the works of the flesh. He didn't use the ability of human means. But he went to God and God God met with him there. Uh, Let's move a little bit further to um, chapter 26, verse 1. There was famine in the land, besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants I will give all these lands. And I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham, your father. And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to your descendants all these lands. And in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice, kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes and my laws. So Isaac dwelt in Gerar. You see, Abraham did not dwell in the promised land. In fact, I I mean, I don't blame Abraham. It's a tough thing to do, but Abraham went right into the promised land, thought that the carpet would be, red carpet would be rolled out for him. God had been speaking about this land, you know, all his life. Now he's going to enter it. Now the blessing comes. Abraham's going into the promised land as everybody's leaving. They're going, what are you doing? We're all going. There's a famine in the land. Abraham says, well, where are you going? Egypt. So Abraham disobeyed God and went to Egypt where all his problems started. That's where they got Hagar from. Because he didn't trust God. There's a whole story, isn't there, of him going down to Egypt and what happened in Egypt and Hagar was brought back and the start of all the problems and all that. Well, what did Isaac do? It says there was a famine in the land beside the first famine. He just believed God. 
He just trusted God. Now you say, oh well. No, not oh well. That is amazing faith to stay in a land of famine. I mean, when, when everybody's, when there's no more food in Tesco's. There's no more food in Sainsbury's. We're all leaving. We're, we're, we're going over to France. There's loads of cheese and bread and everything like that over there. But there's no more food. What are you doing? Oh, I'll stick around. You'll stick around. There's no more food. And so how did he deal with that? And think of the fruit of the Spirit that was needed. Patience. Long-suffering. Self-control. Faithfulness, or faith is the word in, in, in the... In it. Faith. Self-control. All these things that, that, that he would have to produce in order to work out what God wanted him to do he, had to de- he, he needed the fruit of the Spirit. You see, the fruit of the Spirit, it, it's not just being a nice Christian with nice morals. On the contrary, it allows you to obey God and to do his will. And so, you know, when he's praying for a wife, when he's praying for a child, when he's told to stay put, the fruit of the Spirit, long-suffering, kindness, I've said self-control, faithfulness. These were the things that manifest and allowed him to do what God wanted him to do. And what happened? He dwelt there. Now, he did have his mistakes. He, he was worried that they were going to take Rebecca, a bit like his father was worried that they were going to take Sarah. And um, he did get rebuked by the Philistines. It's amazing how the Philistines rebuked him and said, hey... You told us that she was your sister. Somebody could have sinned and, 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 and everything. And there must be a story there too. I've thought about this. i thought about this about Sarah. Talking about family problems in the patriarchs. What do you do if you're Abraham or if you're here and you're Isaac and you're in a community and you say, this is my sister, not my wife? Doesn't that mean that other men can court her? wonder what sort of attention, unwanted attention. I wonder what sort of possible relationships were taking place. And this is terrible, you know. Yeah, but she's your sister. I'd like to take her out for a coffee. She's your sister. I'd like to take her out for dinner. But surely you're not going to, to, you know, are you saying that I'm not good enough for your sister? I bet there was a whole story of difficult, embarrassing scenarios that could be faced and And who knows, with Abraham, perhaps he was even prepared to let something terrible happen. He made his mistakes, but there's a mistake that he made. But we find that that in the famine, something happens. Verse 12, Isaac sowed in the land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord began to bless him and the man began to prosper and continued, continued prospering until he became very prosperous. You say, well, what's that got to do with the fruit of the Spirit? A lot. Because what was God doing? Pouring out the blessing. When we sing that song, open up the heavens, pouring out a blessing. God, in the midst of a difficult famine situation, God started pouring out his spirit of abundance and blessing on him. And he was blessing him. Not just a bit of prosperity, not just meeting his needs, 
but became very, very prosperous with possessions and herds and a great number. So much so that he caused the flesh to arise in the Philistines. It says that in verse 14, so the Philistines envied him. And then verse 16, go away from us for you are much mightier than we. Now, again, the fruit of the Spirit. Let's go to the works of the flesh. Now, imagine you are blessed, you are rich, you are powerful, you're much mightier than we, they said. What would you do if you had, if you were an Ishmael? You would fight. You would impose your wealth and your power and you would drive them out of the land. You would say, hey, who do you think? Hey, you don't tell me to leave, I tell you to leave. You're right, I am. My, you, what right have you? You're coming to me to tell, make me leave. Make me leave. Come on, make me leave. No, I didn't think so. You know, if you had, the, if you had works of the flesh like hatred or contention, Or outbursts of wrath. Can you imagine? If Isaac had outbursts of wrath and Abimelech comes, he just lost it with him. Who do you think you're talking to? Or dissensions or ambition. No, I'm going to take this land. I've been waiting for this moment and you've just given me that. Now I'm going to take it. Or selfishness. Or envy. Actually, I've been one. Can you imagine these things operating in in this moment? In Isaac's life. I tell you what, it'd be a great story, but it wouldn't be glorifying to God. So, what does he do? They say, Go, you're too strong for us. Isaac departed and pitched his tent in the valley. No, what did he exhibit? Peace. He said, I'm I'm not going to break the peace, I'm not going to cause strife, I'm not going to contend with you, Abimelech. I'm going to go in peace. Why? Because Jehovah is my supply. I I don't need to fight for this. God gave me everything. God will sustain me. So peace. Long-suffering, or the word for long-suffering or patience is is, is actually long-fused, long-tempered. He didn't lose temper. He kept patient. He said, I'll be patient. Kindness. He was kind to them. He was kind. Goodness, which is generous and open-hearted. He exhibited self-control and faith in God. And gentleness. When we talk about gentleness, it's not being a doormat. Gentleness is power under control. Gentleness is someone that has power under control. This was the fruit of the Spirit. When he walked away and left, he was exhibiting extremely high levels of spirituality, extremely high levels of characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit that caused him to walk with God as God wanted him to walk. And then then what's next? Well, then he's in this difficult situation I preached about a few weeks ago. He's got no water. He's got no sustenance for himself. And what does he do? He has to redig the wells of his father. And I was saying that's what the church needs to do today. Redig the wells of spirituality. Trod, tr- trod, tread, 
Tread the old paths. Rediscover the old paths of spirituality, prayer, faith, these things, so that God can pour out his spirit. But then, then what happens is we come to the wells. And these wells, this, this, is, this is exactly another ex- exhibition of what could have been a powerful story of fighting and wars, and, but it wasn't. Here we go. Verse 19 of Genesis 26. And all Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found a well of running water there. Wow, we found a well. Imagine the joy, success, victory. We found something, that we got water. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, the water is ours. No, it's not. It's not yours. It wasn't theirs. They hadn't even found it. I mean, this is totally unfair. Who do they think they are? You know, it's not like we nicked their well. It's not like this would stand up in a court of law. We found this well ourselves. And they're saying the water's ours. And so what did he do? Well, Isaac called the well Esek, which means quarrel, and dug another well. He dug another well. And they quarreled over that one. All right, this is too far. You know, I let it go once. Like Jesus, isn't it? How many times should we forgive, Lord? I let it go once. That was my well to begin with. And now you, you're just taking liberties. I mean, what? You think, you think we just... I let it go once, and now we found another well. And you're, and you're coming, you're trying it on again. You think we're weak? You know, sometimes when you exhibit the fruit of the Spirit, you're in danger of people thinking that you're weak. Or are you wondering whether you've softened and become weak? Why? Because the flesh says, rise up, sort it out. Rise up, exhibit strength. Rise up to battle. But the, fr- the, 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 the fruit of the Spirit never says that. There's nothing in the fruit that says that. Now, you can do your battle in the Spirit. You can do your, things with the, you can do your business with God. He was. You don't see the behind the scenes. He's, ta- he's going to the Lord and saying... And what does he do? He calls it Sitna, which means enmity. And he moved from there. And dug another well, and they didn't quarrel over it, so he called it, wonderful name, Rehoboth. And Rehoboth means spaciousness. He says they called it Rehoboth because he said, for now the Lord has made room for us and will be fruitful in the land. Wow, isn't that amazing? The Lord, he was saying the Lord. The Lord will do it. The Lord will do it. The Lord will do it. My trust is in the Lord. Now that is high levels of the fruit of the Spirit. It is high levels of peace. Peacemaking. Extremely high levels. I don't think, I may be wrong, I don't think anybody in this room or watching on the internet, if we were in his position, would have done that. At most, perhaps, we'd have let it go once. Because we could have crushed them. I wonder how many of us would have crushed Abimelech. You see, incredible high levels of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Yielding, trusting God, believing God, doing his business, not with his fists, but with his palms held up to the Lord. Trusting God, trusting God, dying again and again. He died to all the success he had in Abimelech's life. He died to it. 
He left it. He died to it. He'd, he'd built an empire, if I can use that phrase. He'd, he'd prospered. He was successful. And he walked away because he had such high levels of fruit of the Spirit and trust in God. Dying to a well. Dying to another well. But believing that God was... I mean, I, I just think it, it, it's, it's abs- absolutely amazing what a peacemaker he was. What a powerful peacemaker that he was. And so you look at Isaac's life, and I think that's enough there. And you see this picture. Now, remember, I'm going to take you right back before we just minister now. Back in Galatians, what did Paul say? He said, you're not Ishmael. You're not sons of the flesh and daughters of the flesh. You're not Ishmael. You're Isaac. Now, everybody say after me, I am Isaac. Wow. That, think about it. Is, that is a revolution in itself. I mean, that is revival preaching. Not that I'm a revival preacher, but that's revival preaching. That is revival preaching. Sometimes we think revival, and it is, is miracles and signs. It is, and wonders and outpourings of glory and souls being saved and, 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 and just breakthroughs. It is. This is revival. Can you imagine? I mean, it's, it's, it's frightening, frighteningly exciting to even consider living like this, isn't it? I, I mean, God has to be real to live like that. Because if God isn't real... When you give up that first well, you don't find another. When God isn't real, there's no point leaving Abimelech. Why? Because you're going to go into a land and and you're going to have lost everything that you've got. If God isn't real, you better go out and find and manipulate a partner to become your husband or wife. You hear what I'm saying? But if God is real then the fruit of the Holy Spirit, it's not moral laws, but it is a cultivation of a revival life. The fruit of the Spirit, if you walk by the Spirit, the flesh got no power over you. But it looks at times that the flesh does have power. Ah, did you see what we did? Yeah, we got the well. Oh, he's dug another well. Should we go in and take that too? Yeah, let's do it. He, he was... He'll, he'll yield again. Do you know he yielded with Abimelech? Do you know that? Oh, he's, they say he's got power, but he's got no guts. He's not a real man. Abimelech said leave. He could have crushed him. He, he walked off. What sort of man's that? We took a well for him. Should we take the next well? Yeah. Ah, we did. We took the well. What? Is he a man? What sort of man? Abraham would have never let us done that. Abraham. And I don't think Jacob understood his father. I don't think he understood. I don't think he saw the spiritual aspect of that. Jacob had all the promises Abraham had. Jacob had all the promises Isaac had. But the problem was he went about getting what God said was legitimate for him in illegitimate ways. One of the biggest dangers of our lives is that God speaks to us about something he wants to bring to us or somewhere he wants us to bring us into. And we hear from God accurately 
but then we go about getting what God said is legitimate for us illegitimately, by the wrong means. And it was like what R.T. said this morning about prayer. Does anybody remember there was a phrase about being ready for the prayer? Does anybody remember the exact phrase? No. But he was saying that he was talking about um, Zechariah and that Zechariah and Elizabeth must have prayed many times for a child and then given up. And then the angel came, the angel Gabriel and said, the Lord has answered your prayer. And he didn't believe it. He wasn't ready for it. And so he was struck dumb and he couldn't enjoy it. And so what, ha- what can happen, and, and this happens many, many times, more than you realize. God speaks to you about something, gives you a promise, and then what happens is, because you're not patient enough, a long-suffering enough, because you don't have enough faith in God's faithfulness, or because you're not a peace worker, or because you don't have self-control, or because you don't have kindness or open-heartedness, because you're not cultivating those things, you hear the promise, and then you grasp the promise. You fight for the promise. You try all kinds of envy, anger, and frustration. God said it was mine, and it's not come. I'm going to rise up, and I'm going to get it. Or, hey, God said that was mine, and somebody else got it. And you get jealous and envious. Or you argue with someone who's trying to take your well. And before you realize it, you get, and even if you do, like Jacob, get it in the end, you have been beat up, you have been demoralized, and even God has given you a injury. You see what I'm saying? And you don't enjoy what you got because you're wrecked. But Isaac. Made his mistakes. But so so many times. And like I said, it looks so smooth that when we read his story, we miss it. But you think of the internal struggles that he went through in all of these situations. The situations of need and powerlessness, but also the situations where he was almost all-powerful, whether he, where he had the power, didn't he? So not just times when he was powerless and trusted God for a baby, but the time when he had all the fleshly, if I can use that word, all the material wealth, all the soldiers, and he could have just so easily have done it himself. Think of the internal spirituality and the battle on the inside, the flesh against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. That, and where was that happening? In the, in the secret place? In the secret place? You're not just solving problems in the secret place. You're not just solving circumstances in the secret place. More than anything, you're solving yourself. Your own soul is being solved. Because it's in the secret place you make the decision not to do that fleshly act. It's the secret place. It's, the, it's in the presence of God that you make those decisions. Because without those things, you make the fleshly decision. You, you, you do the works of the flesh. You end up being an Ishmael. It was always out there fighting. You end up being an Esau. And even if you're a good guy, you know what I'm saying? Even if you're on the road and God's given you the promises, 
You end up being Abraham at his worst, Jacob at his worst, but God didn't say, I am Abraham. He didn't say for us to say, I am Jacob. He said for us to say, I am Isaac. It's our identity. We walk in the footsteps of Abraham, the father of faith, but the identity, the nature, the characteristic of who we are, Abraham's faith, but Isaac's character. I just got that, then that was a revelation. Abraham's faith, but Isaac's character. Let's just stand in the presence of the Lord together. This is a, a, a word of revival. I believe in healings and miracles and God's going to do those things, but just in his presence as we just wait on him. I believe in miracles and power, but do you know what? It's not going to mean much if we're working revival like Jacob's. It's certainly not going to mean much if when the revival power of God starts falling, we're Ishmael or working as an Ishmael, is it? When God blesses you personally with a personal revival, uh, like if he blesses you with great wealth, oh, hallelujah. If he blesses you with great prominence, yes, Lord. If he blesses you with great gifting, what if that gifting suddenly just erupts? What if he's already given? What if that gifting? Oh, God. What if it all comes to be into line? What if all the pieces of the puzzle, the power and the gifting and the wealth, and what if that all falls into place and you're not ready? Oh, glory. I feel the presence of the Holy Spirit owning this message. It's like Martin Lloyd-Jones, the mentor of R.T. Kendall, said. There is nothing worse for a person than success that comes before the person's ready. Nothing worse for the person than success that comes before the person. I believe in the message of the midnight cry. I believe... Artie would never say this of himself. I believe Artie Kendall is a prophet of God. Sent to bring this message. Time and time again, it's up there on the media. Just let the Lord do work. I'm just prophesying really now. I'm not preaching. Artie first spoke that word at this church a year and a half ago. The first revelation he got of the midnight cry preparing for the great end time outpouring that he believes he will see before he dies. The first place he preached, it was here a year and a half ago, down January. He's been with us now since February for this six-month period. And apart from one Sunday resurrection teaching service, and even that was linked, he has preached on the midnight cry. He has preached, he has prophesied, in my opinion. The midnight cry and the awakening and, the pre- and been saying, prepare yourselves. That's what he's been saying. Don't be without oil. I believe it's a message for us. I believe that God is wanting to do something spectacular in our internal lives. And I fear that people are hearing sermons, not you so much, but generally, 
are hearing sermons and not applying them. Oh, another sermon on the midnight cry. Oh, another sermon on internal revival. Oh, another sermon on the workings of the Spirit in our lives. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it's as if they've never been preached. I'm not speaking about you. It's my fear. I fear. I fear. But I know that God wants to work in our lives. And he wants to get us to the place as we dig the wells of revival in our own lives. Get out the rubbish. Let the Holy Spirit begin to flow unheeded in our lives. The well of salvation in our lives bubbling up. Going back to the old paths. Prayer and devotion. Fruit of the Spirit. Faith. Turning away from the new paths of false church manipulating techniques self-exaltation I believe as we turn to God he'll turn to us and that he's doing a work in you so that whether it's a work ready for the final outpouring that's going to come on us all as we seek to make disciples or whether just he's back he's waiting to, to promote you or bless you or exalt you or let that give going if you're not ready it's going to be wasted and you're going to be wasted you won't be able to handle it oh God we want the power but more than wanting the power we want the ability to handle the power in a godly manner we want the ability not to get power crazed not to believe our own hype we want the ability to be rooted in the fruit of the Spirit. We want to operate in great, great amounts of wealth, great amounts of authority, great amounts of power and the gifts of the Spirit. But we want it to be harnessed by patience, harnessed, the power harnessed by love, the power bridled by patience and goodness and self-control we want you to give us the turbo engine Lord but we want the brake systems in place we want the power steering in place oh God God we know we're stirring up the devil we know the devil's stirred up he's stirred up for a good reason because God is doing a new thing turning people into people that they weren't before fruit of the spirit love and joy and peace patience and kindness goodness and faithfulness gentleness and self-control what wonderful words and concepts oh Holy Spirit fill us fill us fill us Lord it's not the fruit of the human soul or the fruit of our own spiritual efforts. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Lord, Lord, you plant a seed and we don't know how, but you grow it. Lord, fruit. Work the works of the Master in our lives. Let the glory come. The inward work ready for the outward manifestation. business like Isaac lifted his hands in the evening we lift our hands to you Lord 
we walk as Isaac walked. We come to you with all those things that we're tempted to do fleshly things, make it right by our own power, instead of coming to the Lord that vindicates, the Lord that acts. God grant us patience and long-suffering, long-temperedness, a long fuse, not a short fuse, God. Self-control. A harness, a bridle on the passions. A cross to crucify those things that arise in our lives. Gossips, fleshly anger. Oh God, the power of the cross and the fruit of the Spirit. Move, Lord, only you can do it. To move in the fruit of the Spirit is as much a miracle as a healing. We can't do it, but we can yield to the working and ask you, Lord, to do a work in our lives. A new breed, a new group filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh God, we come to you with all our faults. They are many. But God, you are able. Yes, Lord. I see relationships being healed right now. I hear, by the identity of Isaac. I, I, I hear things. I see in the spirit, I, I see decisions changing, attitudes changing. I see the course of events changing in this week even. I see the course of events changing because people are going to be Isaacs. They're not going to be Ishmael's. They're not going to be even Jacob's, a halfway house. Can you just tell that lady just to quiet down? She's distracting me. Oh, hallelujah. Your sweetness and your graciousness, Holy Spirit. Visit your people tonight. They could be anywhere they wanted to tonight, Lord. They're here. Visit them. Visit them. I I just, we don't normally do this, but I just feel that there's some people here today, not everyone. that that you should come to the altar and kneel and that God is going to give you a great internal breakthrough I say the altar just down here at the front and you're saying God I want to be Isaac I am Isaac you've said that I am Isaac God there's going to be some drastic changes not just I hear the message but I feel that there's got to be something this is a totally new way of life I want to live and if you feel led leave your seats and come and do business at the altar kneel at the altar sometimes when we do something physically 
It breaks something in the spirit. And more importantly, it breaks something in our heart. God sees us. You don't have to come down. But if you want to, if we, if we, if we need to take some chairs away and just back them up, and we do that nice and quietly, let, let's fill this altar with those. You can do business in, it's only if you're led to or if you want to. great grace at the altar of God <laughs> you know sometimes when I'm in prayer sometimes when I'm in prayer I just see myself go to the altar of God and lay and I lay on the mercy seat it just seems as I'm lying on the mercy seat the mercy seat is a powerful place to do business with God. Okay, I think that's that's fine. Just fine. Now when the spirit comes, he works. He works in you. It's a work of the spirit. So as he's working, respond to his work. Lord, you're speaking to me about this. Lord, you're talking to me about that. Lord, this is how I feel. Lord, business at the altar. There's nothing but grace here, but there's a work. something, trigger something maybe there's some things you need to let go maybe there's some words that need to come out of your heart to the Lord very often it's good to give voice to those words even if you're just whispering it speaking to him you can leave the past behind whatever's happened in the flesh in the past you know what don't live there let's just go on no one is imprisoned by the past you're free to walk on that cleanses us from all unrighteousness power of faith that God's put in us what are those things that you're struggling with in the flesh if you know what I mean using your human effort that you've not brought to the altar bring it to the altar right now in your hearts bring it to the altar God's altar and say, God, I want to do it your way. Help me, Lord. I want to, I want to be an Isaac. That's what you said. I'm like Isaac, the child of the promise. 
living sacrifice like Isaac was a living sacrifice. focus on things spiritual pray that you'll pour out the physical material needs of the house today reignite promises spoken over people's lives break bondages of the enemy bondages of the mind Take me in, take me in to the holy. 
But there's a process. Part of the process, Father, is us seeking you on Sunday nights and putting us in a place where a revival anointing or a preparation anointing for revival can give us time to think on such things and lift our eyes above the normal spiritual walk of a believer to the higher things, the deeper wells, the greater things of your promise. Lord, we don't want to be average Christians living average weeks. We want to be on the vanguard of where the Spirit wants to take us. We know, Lord, we've got so far to catch up with where you are. But Lord, we thank you. Thank you for opportunities like this, where we can come with that mind of seeking you for ourselves, our families, our nation, Europe, the world. Work in us, Lord. Add to our number, we pray, those that are seeking you. Because we know that when we seek you, you will come in our personal lives. But also when we seek you together, Lord, you'll come and visit us together. Do the works of your master, Lord. Jesus, hear our prayer. Bless your people tonight. Strengthen them in the things of God. Make them strong on the inside so they'll be able to carry the blessing on the outside. Lord, that's what we want. We want the blessing, but we want to be able to carry the blessing with honor. We want you to open up the heavens and we want you to pour out a blessing. We believe that as you're working in our lives, we can you can increase blessing levels and abundance levels. Do the work on the inside, Lord so that we can carry the blessing on the outside. We're going to go out tonight, we're going to sing that song, uh, Open the Heavens. 
because that's where we're going. It's not just about meeting with God and working on the inside. There is an end in sight. We want the blessing to come in its fullness for God's glory. That's why we want to be vessels of honor in his name. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's go out asking God to pour out from his heaven blessings on us this week. As we dig deep, may he pour out from on high.